there's still a huge uh, you know, gap in the awareness of how robots work. And, and you know, that's a gift and a curse, right? Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Manufacturing Happy Hour. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode 103. Today, we're going to be talking about how a particular STEM program is sustaining talent and elevating minds of the next generation. Our guest this week is Terence Southern. Terence is a longtime robotics and automation expert. He's the director of automation at ATW and the founder and CEO of Illuminate STEM. Now, this is going to be a real focal point of our conversation today. Illuminate STEM teaches kids K through 12 about problem solving, collaboration, and automation through hands-on activities like wiring circuits, building robots, and coding. So here are three things you can expect from today's episode. First, Terrence tells us what it was like growing up in Detroit and what ultimately led him to engineering, robotics, and STEM leadership. Second, we'll hear how Illuminate STEM got started, how it's evolved, and how the program has impacted the youth that it's served. Finally, Terrence shares his thoughts on the direction of the automation and robotics industry and some of the timeless advice that's helped him in his career. As always, if you want to access any of the information or resources mentioned in this episode, you can do that by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 103. That'll take you to the show notes for this week's episode. And by the way, some news that we've got coming out here on Manufacturing Happy Hour. I've been talking about it in a couple spots, but we just relaunched our YouTube channel. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash YouTube, where there are video interviews of our podcasts, as well as shorter form content like how-tos and some of the short interviews that we do at trade shows. Again, head to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash YouTube to subscribe. I'll be releasing two videos a week there. would be great to see you there as well. But in the meantime, we got to get to today's conversation. It's time to meet up with Terrence Southern. All right, Terrence, it's great to have you here on Manufacturing Happy Hour. Been looking forward to this interview for over a month. And I have to ask you the first question. If we were back in your hometown of Detroit, where would we be having this conversation if we were having it at a bar, a restaurant, wherever that may be? Yeah, no, I'm glad, glad to be here today, Chris. Uh, if we were in my hometown of Detroit, we'd be at Northland Skating Rink. Uh, skate, skating is something I've been doing since I was five years old is what I love to do. And I, I, I actually carry my skates. Whenever I go to Detroit, I take them on the plane with me. <laughs> to go, just in case, I get the urge to go roller skating. All right. All right. Well, I can't say we'd probably... Well, actually, maybe we are having this conversation while we're skating laps. I was going to say maybe we're taking a break, having a beverage to to have the conversation. So, so let's say we're at the Northland Skating Rink back in Detroit, right? And someone asks you, you know... Terrence, what is it that Illuminate STEM does? How do you answer that if you're just having a casual conversation with someone at the skating rink? Sure. Uh, you know, so casually, I tell them, like, well, Illuminate STEM helps, you know, K-12 students become robotics and drone 
technologists in, in, the, in the world. And, uh, you know, one of the unique things about Illuminate STEM is that it's all, all the uh, programs are led by engineers and STEM professionals. Uh, so, you know, it, I, I kind of like to compare it to like the AAU sporting, right? Uh, you know, this is where you come to, you know, go into the, to the next level. Awesome. Well, we're going to dive into what Illuminate STEM does in more detail towards the middle of the interview. But first, Terrence, I want to get to know you a little bit because you and I had a chance to chat before uh, we did this. It's been about a month since we talked, but I've seen you around LinkedIn for a long time. But one of the comments you made in our first conversation was you told me that you grew up in the real Detroit. And, you know, based on that, I, you know, tell me what that was like. Let's just start off really generally. I've got some more specific questions from there. Sure. So the, so the real Detroit is everything south of eight mile. Uh, so, you know, there, there are boundaries. So, you know, when I hear Metro Detroit, you know, like, well, where, you know, but that carries all the suburban areas. Uh, but you know, there, there was a movie, you know, several years ago called eight mile. And so, you know, it made eight mile famous where, you know, someone who's from there is like, well, eight miles kind of with the dividing line is how what divides the, the city, the, uh, the city proper. Detroit from all of the suburban areas. Uh, but growing up in De Detroit, uh, you, you see a lot of things, see a lot of culture, uh, see hardworking individuals, definitely a blue collar unionized area of the, uh, the state. And, uh, it, it was really great. Saw a lot of great things there. You know, like I said, the culture, uh, you know, everything that you see on TV isn't quite what it is <laughs> in, uh, in real life. So, you know, I, I, I would say that since I moved away from there, it, it, uh, when I see things on television, I pray the night round, like it doesn't look like that when you're up close, but uh, from afar, it, it definitely looks different. So I get where some people have the, uh, their opinions from, but it, it's a place that I love and uh, I hope to go back one day. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, when you were growing up there, did you know, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Cause you've been doing robotics for like 20 plus years now, but what, what was the first things you were into? So I, I was, uh, I wanted to be Mike, Michael Jordan. <laughs> and kind of like a lot of kids, uh, I was a, I was an athlete. I played basketball and I was a really great baseball player, uh, during that time, uh, as far as profession, uh, you know, I didn't know any engineers, so I didn't know what an engineer did. You know, I thought about becoming a lawyer and things like that, but you know, you know, I, I didn't know what I was going to do. My, my parents were both hardworking individuals. Uh, they both worked at General Motors while I was a kid. So I saw cars getting made. Uh, the engineering part didn't happen till I was in uh, eighth grade and I had a teacher and she said, you know, Mr. Southern, you'd be a really good uh, engineer. Well, she's a math teacher. She never told me what an engineer was or what they did. <laughs> she, she, just, uh, she said, they make a lot of money. You'd be able to, you'd be really good at it. And uh, I was part of the math club in seventh grade and in the eighth grade. And I just kind of ran with that, that I'm going to be an engineer. And if I don't end up being a, uh, you know, a baseball, a major league baseball player. I also thought about being a music producer. Uh, I really like music. So those are some of, the, some of the things that ran through my mind. And, uh, however, when it came to becoming an engineer, I didn't, you know, I, I really didn't know anything about it until I got to college. Yeah. Yeah. Music producer is a very Detroit answer as well. <laughs> but a lot of that there too. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I have to ask then. So when, 
And I feel like that story is is the case for a lot of people, right? You know, you hear, hey, you're good at math, you're good at science, you should become an engineer. But I mean, honestly, I didn't really know what engineering was until I got to engineering school. I'm like, oh, we design gears and mechanical parts, right? So I guess my follow-up to that is when did you decide robotics was going to be your thing? Was it while you were in school? Was it once you started your career? Tell me a bit about that. So uh, other than, you know, the Jets and the and watching television, I had no idea what a robot did. Where Ruby was and R2D2 was, was my robots. However, uh, you know, play with Transformers coming up as a kid. And then it was during my first year of the intern, uh, at General Motors, that was 1999. I saw the robot for the first time and I fell in love that day. Uh, it was funny cause you know, I, I they said, well, you want to see the robot? So I go over to the robot. And I said, we'll let you program it. And they, they, they let me program a, a two steps. And all I had to do was like two welding points, point here, point there. Well, in my programming, I didn't, uh, we had two weld coupons, but I did not hit the target. I didn't get into the, the groove of the weld. So when they let the, open up the, the, the bike grips, the parts fell apart. But, uh, I, I knew then I'm like, okay, that's something I want to try again. Like I want to come back to this. And I've never looked back. It was a, a great day. And I went back to college that after the summer was over and uh, just telling everybody what I did. Like, yeah, I was working on welding. I worked at drum motors and had a great time. And, uh, at the end of the summer, you know, each year they would ask you say, well, Hey, you did a great job. What did you think about this? If you come, if we bring you back next year, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to work in the robotic group. <laughs> so at the time I was in the welding group, so I got to work with the robots, but I wasn't. It wasn't my focus. Uh, the next year I came back and they said, well, I was working on the, uh, control systems and I came back and said, well, what do you want to do next? Sorry, if we bring you back, I said, I want to work on the robot group. And, uh, so then I came back another summer, I was in a conveyor <laughs> and said, what do you want to do next year? I said, I want to be on the robot group. But at the time that was the whole acronym of our group was conveyors, controls, robotics, and welding. Hmm. So for summer. They said, they said, I want to be in the robot group. And my fourth summer with Drum Motors, I was like, well, there's nothing left to do but the robotics group. And so, you know, it's just one of those things that you have to uh, just trust the process. At the finish, when I got to the finish line, I was in the robotics group. And uh, it's been a thing of love for me ever since. I love, uh, I love the story. A lot of hands-on experience that ultimately helped you figure out what you wanted to do. You know, another question I have is, you know, how did all of this, all this work you did, whether it was growing up in school when you were at General Motors, how did that impact your mission to become a STEM advocate? You know, I quickly realized that there wasn't a me, you know, for other kids to follow. And that that was kind of the, the focal point of building on Illuminate STEM uh, and, and the mission that we, and as a STEM advocate is that, you know, when I got there, there wasn't a a robotics engineer who looked like me, right? I certainly didn't have any, you know, robotic experience prior to joining, uh, at General Motors. So it was like, well, how many other people realize that these kind of things are going on and, you know, do they know, are the people in Detroit aware? Uh, and so it just kind of gave me, uh, you know, the, the vision is like, how can I be part of the change into the future? You know, I'm doing something very unique. Not everyone gets to have this opportunity. And, at, you know, in 1999, you know, it's early 2000s, you know, robotics was still a fresh thing. As old as robots are to the industry, just the automotive, it was still a very fresh thing. Like it wasn't something that was happening every year, everywhere. So I, you know, I, I chose to 
said, Hey, you know, I believe that, you know, I, I can do this and I could show other kids. And, uh, that, that all started as an entire and then it carried on to my full-time career. Yeah. And, and it started, if I remember right, did, did it start like the early two thousands and it was the first iteration of it was purely an after school program. Is that correct? That is correct. So after I hired into Jerome Motors in 2003, I, I'm now done with college. I'm working on my first project as a robotics engineer. And uh, my mentor, you know, a couple of the mentors, they said, hey, you should come downstairs uh, into the, uh, the manufacturing the research building after work today. And I'm like, if that was the last thing on my mind for a 25-year-old kid that's got out of the, uh, got off work. I'm like, go where? I'm like, do what? I'm like, okay. So I, uh, I get down there and, uh, they just had a couple groups of kids. We had maybe three teams that were mentored by, uh, General Motors, uh, through us first robotic. Uh, and then there happened to be this one group of kids who were all from the city of Detroit. They went to had a Detroit high school and, uh, which was fitting for me. And my mentor says, Hey, who wants to be a, me, the robotics engineer and the kids, just, their eyes just lit up and, uh, and I, I opened up and say, yeah, hey, I'm, I'm Terrence. You know, I'm from Detroit. I'm a robot engineer. And, uh, it, 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 it was bigger than just the robotics piece of, yeah, we were, we were, you know, had to be build a robot. Uh, these kids looked at me like, you know, one on day one and it was like, yeah, you're not real. You couldn't be from Detroit. You know, you dress nice. You, you know, you do all these things. You can't relate to us. It gave me a moment to kind of really open up and be very uh, vulnerable and transparent with some young people who didn't see themselves in me initially, but later they did. And uh, it was just something that we did after school or after work. The kids, they show up at GM. I'd go out there instead of hanging with my friends and we built the robot. And uh, that, that's it. that is how we got started. So was it always that type of activity, building a robot, or were there other activities that played into, I don't know, curriculum's probably the wrong word, but what, are, what, what made up the program, if you will? Sure. So we were part of the, uh, the U.S. first robotic competition. So you only have six weeks to build the robot. <laughs> so it, 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 it's a race. And then, uh, so after the robot was built after the six weeks, you then go into the competition mode. Uh, but then even after that, you know, so you, you build the robot, you compete, you win or you lose. And then what? Well, you know, I was uh, fortunate to still build relationships with these young people and they would call me, they text me and, asking what I'm doing, uh, you know, and so, you know, if we had events over the summertime, I would invite them out and then just look forward to seeing them the following year. And, you know, to my surprise, all of those students showed up every year until they graduated from high school. Uh, and so then, you know, there were, uh, scholarships and such that were offered through the program. And it was a joy to me to, when they became the senior year, you were able to write their recommendations so that they end up going to college and. Most of those students became engineers. Uh, so, so that, that was exciting. Uh, and then after that, I turned it into, I realized that, you know, connecting with students like that, you know, it all depends on where you met them. Right. So if I had a group of ninth graders, you know, it was great, right? You got four years to make an impact, you know, and guide them in the right direction. But if I had an 11th grader, you know, or 12th grader, you have one year, one to two years to really turn things around if they weren't, if they didn't know what they wanted to do. Uh, so I then said, Hey, you know, high school is just not early enough. So I, I started a middle school program and that, that's been kind of like my target for the, the youngest student I work with. 
Got it. Okay, so you it was started with high school, moved to middle school as well. I think you said you did. You say you do K through twelve. Are you able to work with younger kids as part of the program now? Has it expanded in that direction? It has. Uh, we've expanded. We go K to twelve now. Uh, we have competitions for the uh, the younger students as well. They, you know, smaller teams. The tennis band is much much shorter. Sure. But, uh, we, we have a lot of fun with them and they have robot and drone competitions that they are included with as well. And, you know, and, you know, as we've gone further into, uh, you know, building up on the nonprofit, uh, you know, I have an eight year old daughter and, uh, you know, I always wanted to build something that she could be part of as well. You know, that, that what doesn't, it doesn't take me away from the family when doing STEM related stuff. The family is part of it. Yeah, you, you you hinted at something a second ago. You turned this into a nonprofit. Started in two thousand three, but you turned it into a nonprofit. I think around two thousand twelve. Can you tell me what that was all about? Yeah, uh, so during my transition from Detroit, Michigan to Dallas, Texas, uh, yeah, I was looking for something to do. I was starting a new career with a new company. You know, they wanted to know more about me. You know, you go through orientation. They say, "Hey, tell us something we don't know about you." And I tell you, well, after work, you know, I go work with kids in, in robotics programs. Uh, they thought that was really cool. And they connected me with the school. Uh, there was an article written about the work that I do and some of the work that I had done in my previous career. And they, uh, they loved it. And they said, well, hey, we got a school. What do you think? And someone came back and they're like, you should really have a nonprofit. Like, how are you going to help more kids? Because there's more than just 10 to 20 kids who need a you in front of them. And uh, I had never given it that level of thought. I'm like, you know, I just kind of, this, this is just fun for me, teaching a couple kids. Uh, you know, you know, I, I never thought about that. That sounds like work. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that, that in 2012, we uh, finally, uh, you know, registered as a nonprofit organization, 501c3, and we called it Illuminate STEM. And Illuminate STEM, the STEM stands for Sustaining Talent and Elevating Minds. And that is the goal, is to, take them from point A and get them all the way to Z uh, through our program and show them some things that they would have never seen had they not been part of our program. And again, like I mentioned, the unique thing about it is that you're working with professionals. So robotics doesn't always look like a, you know, a toy or a game or just fun, right? We're able to show what it looks like from a career standpoint and say, here's what a robot does in, in manufacturing. I never thought I'd hear a second meaning for STEM, uh, sustaining talent, elevating minds. Is that correct? That's correct. Excellent. I love it. I love it. I um, I have some other questions I'll ask at the end of this, but you know, you've been doing Illuminate now in some way, shape or form almost for 20 years. So I guess my question is, what success stories have you seen come out of the program so far? Where, like, because you've gotten to work with kids from when they were in high school. A lot of these people are probably in their engineering careers now. They are, uh, yeah. That 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 is the that's the goal, and that has been the result. So that that first group of students that I worked with when I was uh, in my first career at General Motors, uh, several of those students became engineers. Uh, none, none of them became robot engineers in that first group, but they were all engineers. Uh, and I had the joy of writing their recommendations for them to get into college. And many of them we still keep in touch today. It was when I started the middle school group of kids uh, that things started really to peak. Uh, and, and even that was interesting because we started the middle school. The middle school robotics program 
began with career day. I went to go tell kids about what I do in a career at a Detroit uh, elementary school. And my first group of kids were a bunch of first graders. <laughs> I get to talking to them and they're like, so, you know, I'm talking about the cars that I work on and what cars are coming out, the robots. And they had no clue. I just get the dead deer in the head, like, look, and I, I started, I started speaking in terms of transformer. I said, well, I work on things like Bumblebee, you know, and that, that, it, you know, it helped <laughs> them, uh, understand what I was doing. Then I got to talk to a group of fifth graders that day. And, uh, and I was able to explain and one kid said, don't you take jobs? <laughs> right? And then where do the people go? And I explained, so well, I, I create a lot of new jobs, such as a robot engineer, uh, type of job. That day, there was a young man in the classroom who was watching me very closely. Uh, and so by the end, by the time I left the school, the principal had asked me, would you like to start a middle school robotics team at our school? Easy. Okay, so now I'm doing high school robotics and I'm doing middle school robotics. And I'm running back all over the city to help kids. Uh, there was a young man in that classroom. He was the first one to sign up to be on the robotic team. And, uh, when he was in eighth grade, he's also the only young person who I, uh, put off the team for his grade. And, uh, and, uh, and today he is a robotics engineer for one of the largest companies in the world. And so, you know, I, I followed, he followed me in middle school, high school, college, and we just spoke earlier today. And, uh, you know, th that's one of the, the success stories I'm probably most proud of because he actually became a robot engineer. <laughs> That's uh, amazing. <laughs> but, but, uh, and, uh, we, we talk all the time. He's been in his career now for three years. And, uh, you know, I explained to him, like, you know, you know, I, I didn't have a you to lean on from a robotic perspective. So it's nice to be able to introduce some of the people that I know in the industry. And, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, one day when I get the opportunity to retire, you know, I leave it in good hands, you know, after I, uh, I move on to, to have a house on the beach or something. Amazing stories. You know, you've gotten to work with youths, as I think about it, across two generations. Gen Z, earlier on, you were working with millennials. A, a question that popped into my mind is, as we've been talking is, how have you seen maybe the receptiveness of these students change over the years, right? Is there more of a, maybe the right way to ask it, is there more of a general interest in robotics now? Or what's, what's the change that maybe you've seen over the past couple decades? You know, I, I think there's still a, a lack of awareness in robotics. Uh, you know, the kids just look at it as cool. You know, I hear things like, oh, you work on Wally. I hear adults say, you know, uh, what's the one Will Smith movie? Like, you know, our robot's going to come, you know, walking around. So I hear all different things. I think there's still a huge, uh, you know, gap in the awareness of how robots work. And, and, you know, that's a gift and a curse, right? That's the, the part I enjoy that I get to help them understand better. Uh, as far as the, the kids and the generations, their robots excite everybody. Uh, no, no matter what they do, they want to see them. They're, they're, it's very exciting. It's very entertaining. Uh, however, the, the, the yearn to want to work on them, uh, you know, there, there's still work to be done there. Uh, you know, how can we get more people who want to go ahead and work on robotics? That, that's usually something that no matter what I say, nobody's just really ready to jump in head first. Uh, I think it's kind of one of those things where you just have to have the knack. Right? Yeah. And, uh, you gotta have the knack for robots. You're either gonna love it or hate it. Uh, most kids love watching it. Very few of them want, uh, want to do it. And, uh, most of my, my audience and the, the students in my program, they come from kids who already want it. 
right? Their, their parents are, you know, I hear uh, their parents are calling me or they just be like, that's what I want to do. I want a robot. I want to be a robot engineer. And they have no clue what a robot engineer does. Yeah. So that's where, that's where I come in at. And, uh, and it's a lot of fun because those are some of my most exciting kids because they come up with great ideas, things that I'm not even thinking about. You know, we hear about the awareness issue a lot on this show. And, and I'm curious, Terrence, how can, how can we help you in your mission, right? Or how can, let's say, our listeners of manufacturing leaders that like getting involved, like motivating the next generation, either generally, how can we help out or are there ways to get involved in Illuminate STEM to, to help more formally? Sure. Uh, you know, a couple ways. One, you know, I'm always looking for videos to display to the students to show them, you know, what robots do in the, uh, the professional world. Second, you know, come out, uh, invite me out, uh, to, you know, partner up with the corporations and then maybe volunteer for our group. Uh, they, uh, you know, like such as when I'm presenting to young ladies, they, they don't want to see me. they they much rather so i would love to you know get uh, a woman uh engineer out to to talk to the young ladies uh that that helps they are they are a lot more engaging when uh they have a woman before them just as much as as the boys are when there's a man before them but uh you know there's there's lots of help you know through donations you know programs where we can you know, build a program around some of the donations. Most of our funding comes from our uh, our uh, individual donors, and then we get grant funding from corporations who want to see great things happen. And hopefully, those young people show up at those businesses in the future. You know, uh, the robot manufacturers and the OEMs uh, would love to have a student from Illuminate STEM. Well, for those of you listening, I will have links in the show notes where you can connect with Terrence. You know, I, I have a few more questions for you before we wrap up, because we've talked a lot about what you're doing with Illuminate STEM, bringing the next generation into the fold. But I've got to ask you about your career a little bit as well, because you talked about how you started at GM. But, man, you've been at Frito. You've been at GE. You told me you were at a small tier one. You're at ATW now leading up there automation and business development. You've seen a few things in your career, to say the least. So. I have to ask you, how have you seen robotics and automation change throughout your career? For the most part, the thing that I've seen evolve the most is probably safety. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, That's a good one. It's <laughs> an important one. <laughs> yeah, safety. Uh, and, and, you know, I would say, you know, during my first year as an intern, I can remember there, you know, when I saw a General Motors plant in 1999 and what I see today is just, night and day uh you know there were times where you could probably still get inside the cell while things were moving right and it's like oh you know for you know someone who's only 21 years old is something like yeah i'm not going in there <laughs> right yeah. but at the same time you know there were robots and it took 20 30 minutes to get it back running so nobody wanted to turn it off right so why you understood why they say well yeah you know the line goes down we got to stop a robot that that means we got to work overtime Today, you know, the robots are back up in 30 seconds to a minute. If you shut it down and cut it back on, right? So like, the controls are better. The peels, uh, the controls are better. The safety is definitely better. Uh, I, I've seen a lot of things between different industries. Of course, you know, you work in automotive, you see a lot of material handling and welding mostly. Uh, you know, moving on to food and beverage was definitely, you like, okay, all right, you know, food. You know, there was palletizers. Uh, and, and things of that nature, just packaging, you know, 
total night and day again, you know, between cars and, and potato chips. So I had to change my thinking and how I approach these problems. How do you get a return on the investment? What is the technology going to look like? Do you really need this robot? Do you need vision systems? Uh, I was talking to someone the other day about, you know, if you had two, over 200 SKUs and you put a vision system, can you teach every single, the camera, every single bag, right? You know, what do you do when you have lathe? It's the same bag, just different colors. Uh, so, you know, the, those, those became tricky situations for me, uh, but it, it also grew me a lot. Uh, you know, then there was definitely the uh, GE, Bell Helicopter, and now ATW. I mean, we're talking about an industry that, you know, is a mom and pop industry. They just weld these together manually. So to bring automation to an industry like this uh, is very exciting for me. I get to create something new, something that hasn't been done. That, that's what keeps me motivated in this industry. What is one of the coolest things you've worked on recently? Because I, I know you've done some cool things. It doesn't even need to be recently. It could be your favorite, but I'm just curious. I'm sure I'm sure the listeners would love to hear at least one story of one of the neat applications. Oh, wow. Uh, probably one that I didn't get quite to finish because I, uh, I moved on from the company, but it would have been the uh, robotic uh, truck unloader. Uh, at Frito-Lay, we were looking for scanning technology to look at all the boxes and then unload the truck. Uh, I didn't get to finish that, but, you know, when I'm at these robotic conferences, I often see people who work with me there say, hey, you know, your project came to life there. So, uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to see it come to life, but uh, just doing the research for it because it, 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 was, it was, that wasn't something that was being done back then. So I'm always excited when I get to be the first to do something uh to this point now i've installed over 2,000 robots globally throughout my career uh so so it, it's always something exciting uh trailers have been, have been exciting because uh, you know it's not a car right so i can't do you know automotive level uh stuff but you know it's not like aerospace where it was only 10 a week right uh so you know it, i yeah i would say that the free to lay for one was probably the most exciting project i worked on I'm excited to hear that your peers let you know that it came to fruition as well. It's always <laughs> good to know that if, if you do need to leave a job, you've left it in good hands. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, the, the robot industry has been great to me. Uh, I, I got so many friends and, uh, you know, I'll often tell people when I go to Automate or, you know, ITMS, uh, IMTS, uh, you know, it's kind of like homecoming. You know, mm -hmm. you, you get to see people you haven't seen in a while. And of course, you know, they just have the Automate in Detroit, Michigan for the first time which was, and it's been two years since everybody's been together. So very exciting. I have some very rich, uh, relationships in the industry, uh, that, you know, have taught me a lot. I've done some really cool things in the industry as well. I was able to be a speaker at the RIA forum. Uh, I've been part of the, uh, the Aspen Institute, you know, round table on robotics and AI, uh, and spoken at some great conferences. So, you know, all, all in all, you know, when doing those things, you know, it, it's, due to the robot industry and the people in the robot industry that helped mold me and, and grow me in, the, in that way. And that's, uh, that's why I love it so much. Well, I knew, you did, I knew you had done some cool things. I just knew I never had the opportunity to talk to you. I'd seen you around LinkedIn all these times. I'm like, I got to get Terrence on the show at some point. So it's been awesome having you on. I've, I've got a couple more questions before we get to, uh, to our finale here. But where, what are you excited about in the robotic space right now where are you placing your bets where do you see automation going uh well what i where i'll start with where i see it going i, I see cobots becoming uh 
more accessible and more used used uh, widely across other areas. Uh, you know, it, it's funny because you know, going from the automotive industry, where there's you know, approximately five hundred a shift, and then you turn around to free to land, you're seeing you know, hundreds and thousands of shift, right? Because they're moving so fast. Uh, and then now to ATW, where we're looking at twenty, you know, thirty a, a shift. So, uh, you know, it, you know, and now I think the technology with the cobots is allowing for everyone to have a robot to play with. Because you know, you know, at General Motors or at Frito Lay, I needed a industrial robot to move as quick as I do. I don't really need that now. And now that they have cobots that are welding, uh, I think that's amazing. Uh, definitely, I think we'll see a lot more with the artificial intelligence being used in manufacturing, machine vision, of course, is being used. But, uh, you know, due to the labor shortages, I think we'll probably see a lot more of where robots are trying to, uh, and the vision systems are being used to teach the robot what to do and, and grow its intelligence, uh, smart robots. Uh, so the technology has evolved. I, I actually tried to develop a system like that when I was at Frito-Lay, I said, well, how do we make the robot smart enough to see corrugated box damage? Well, you know, we were like, oh, we need billions of, billions of data, right? But now, you know, uh, the AI has evolved so much, you know, it might not take billions of boxes to before we can actually say, yes, this one knows that this is a tear that's two inches, this is a tear that's four inches. Uh, you know, the technology has evolved. So I'm looking forward to things like, like that uh, into the future. You know, it's it's funny. I, I just kind of realized this, but I'm able to pay attention to kind of what I, I feel the hot trends are in the industry based on how often certain topics come up on the show. And I think in the first hundred episodes of Manufacturing Happy Hour, Cobots came up once, maybe twice in the past. And we just passed the hundred episode mark in the past, like five episodes alone. Cobots have come up twice. Right. So it's starting to feel more real to me as well, just based on how often experts like yourself are bringing them up. So, you know, I've got I've got one more big question for you. And you've mentored a ton of people in this industry. You've been a positive influence on countless hundreds, probably thousands of students up to this point. You also mentioned there have been some individuals that have impacted your career, like Jeff Bernstein, Eric Nieves, both of them. Uh, alumni of this show and whether this advice maybe came from them or someone else i'm curious what's one of the best pieces of career advice you ever received in your career in this industry sure uh you know i, I think a lot of people so, so one of my favorite sayings is the best is yet to come and, and what i gained from that you know and, and people who i work with here in this industry is like you got to trust the process Dan. Right. And so, you know, there's always, and I tell young people that I even tell adults that my mentees, like trust the process, you know, you're okay. Uh, you know, I, I get, you know, young people, they call me and say, well, Hey, this happened, you know, and I used to be the same way at the beginning of my career. Like the first time I crashed a robot, <laughs> I think I sat on the floor for the first time try, trying to figure out and hide and think about what was going to be my story. <laughs> And I hope, I hope GM still hires me because that really sort of stuff. Uh, but you know, people told me that, ah, you know, that that's not that bad. Relax and, and trust the process. Uh, you know, there, there's so much to look forward to in the robotics industry. And, uh, you know, they're already, they've been doing great things and, uh, great things are going to continue to happen. 
you know, I, I hate to say it, but the, uh, the, uh, that the pandemic was, was kind of like the perfect storm to open up the, the floodgates for automation. Uh, you know, so we're in a, a transition right now in this country and in the world where, you know, technology is evolving. Uh, I had an opportunity to be part of something a few years ago where uh, McKinsey and company put out a report saying that, you know, automation everywhere was going to happen by 2030. And then, and then two years ago, you know, we hit the pandemic and now like, no, it, it, it's coming, right? It's going to be coming a lot faster than that. And, you know, today we're talking about, you know, the blockchain, the, the robotics, the automation, uh, cobots now, uh, business systems are uh, producing. So, yeah, just, just trusting the process that all these things, uh, you know, it has to happen this way and to, to, to get to the next level and where we're going. And I'm really excited about that. Trust the process. Great story about crashing your first robot. Hopefully that gives all the automation and robotics go-getters out their confidence when they hit their uh, their stumbling blocks, let's call them as well. So yeah. I've never well, crashed the same robot twice. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Never the same robot twice. I love it. Well, what a great way to wrap the episode. You know, Terrence, it's been a pleasure getting to chat with you. I'm a big fan of the work you're doing out there. What's the best way for uh, the audience to connect with you as uh, as we wrap up? Uh, sure. Uh, so, you know, personally, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I love to hear from everybody because I'm always looking for, uh, you know, things to do and connect with others and partner. Uh, as for Illuminate STEM, uh, you can reach out to me directly to uh, LinkedIn or visit our website at www.illuminate.com. STEM.org. That's illuminatestem.org. We're also on find us on social media at uh, Instagram. Uh, we're on Facebook and uh, we don't use Twitter much, but we're on there. <laughs> so those are all ways to find us. Uh, we are now expanding. You know, most of our work is being done in uh, the Dallas, Texas area. We're impacting uh, approximately 2,000 students annually. But we're uh, we're looking at some of the news that that's coming about is that we're going to be going to Detroit this uh, this fall. So we're excited about expanding to other cities. I love it. Automate return to Detroit. You're returning to Detroit. This is excellent stuff. So, well, hey, Terrence, thanks so much for jumping on the show. All the things that Terrence just mentioned, you can find those in the show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com. And I look forward to seeing you around the industry really soon, Terrence. Thanks again. Hey everyone, thanks for listening and a big thanks to Terrence for jumping on today's show. Now I know we mentioned the show notes a couple times in the episode to get to where you need to go to connect with Terrence on LinkedIn or learn more about Illuminate STEM, just go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 103, that's for episode 103, that'll take you straight to the show notes for today's episode. Before we wrap up, I do want to give a quick shout out to A3, the Association for Advancing Automation. Thanks to them, I was able to get connected to Terrence. They've done a ton for this show, and they continue to help me round out a fantastic guest list here at Manufacturing Happy Hour. 
One final call to action before we wrap today's episode. If you want to see videos from Manufacturing Happy Hour, well, you are in luck because we just relaunched our YouTube channel. You can get there by going to manufacturinghappyhour.com YouTube where you can find videos from trade shows, our full-length in-person interviews, and plenty of how-tos as well. Again, head over to manufacturinghappyhour.com YouTube to subscribe to our channel today. With that, that's it for this week. Stay innovative, stay thirsty. We'll catch you again real soon. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.